So where are we going, Josh, on this lengthy commute? <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, it's 2.08 right now and 33 seconds, and it'll be 2.08 and 43 seconds by the time we get to the fire hall. Is it? You know what the context is? That you what didn't want to walk you didn't want to walk a hundred meters down the road to the fire hall. Well we have important equipment. <laughs> it's a mic. Let's go. Stop trying to drown me out. We're going to the fire hall today to meet with Kent Redman, the fire chief. And he's going to give us a tour and maybe something else. What, let you drive the fire truck? Well, I'm not gonna drive the fire truck. I'll be happy if he lets us sit in the fire truck. Okay, and here we are. <laughs> oh my God, I can't we drove here. Hi, I'm Megan. And it's Josh. And welcome to another episode of Waves. This is the City of Kenora podcast. How are you doing today? doing okay how are you i feel like i haven't seen you in a while yeah i think the last time i saw you was actually when we went on a tour that's right yeah we were lucky enough to spend the afternoon with chief kent renman at the fire hall we had an amazing afternoon with him he was so gracious with his time and let us come visit him at the fire hall and we got to talk about quite a few topics including things like emergency preparedness yeah he talked to us about the 72 hour kit that you're supposed to pack in your car that's right and then or your we- house that's right. Yeah. And we also talked a little bit about fire prevention week, but it wasn't just all, you know, just standing around talking about these things. Josh also got to do a little bit of firefighting, tr- firefighter training on the fly. Yeah, it might be my next career. It was, uh, it was something else, but uh, we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. That's right. So why don't we start at the beginning where we got to meet Chief Redman and, uh, you know, we made our way into the fire hall and, and had a quick little introductory chat. And le- learned some few fun facts about Mr. Redman. That's right. So here we are at the fire hall, 114th Street North. And <laughs> let's see if we can find Kent. All right, you ready for this? Hi, Kent. Hey, hey guys, Kent. How's it going? How's it going? Good. That's good. So we're here with Kent Redman. He's the fire chief for the city of Kenora. So, Kent, you're fairly new to the city of Kenora, right? Like, you haven't lived here for too long? No. Last uh, June, so less than a year and a half. Less than a year and a half. Yeah. And, um, but you were a fire chief somewhere else, right? Yeah. I've been, uh, previous to here, I was a fire chief in Dryden, so it wasn't too far of a move, but... Okay. What do you think about Kenora so far? So far, so good. Well, that's pretty nice. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Can we just, like, before we get started, we have to talk about something about Kent. You have Dalmatians, right? Like, that is, like, <laughs> like I feel like that's, like, pretty cool. There's, like, the mascot of Fire Halls worldwide. So she was pretty excited on the way over here to learn that you had Dalmatians. Yeah. So we talked about it quite a bit. <laughs> yes, I do have two Dalmatians. Uh, and what are their names? Ember and Tiller, so they both have fire-related names, but all my dogs have always had fire-related names. But these are my first Dalmatians. They're uh, a lot of work. But you love them. Absolutely. Honestly, though, my whole life I've never known anybody with Dalmatians, and now I know two people that have Dalmatians because Kyle, the CAO, also has a Dalmatian. Yeah, that's right. Wow, interesting. Do you know anybody else with Dalmatians? No, I don't know anyone that has a Dalmatian. 
Okay, let's go. Let's do this. Where are we going to go first? We can start on the... Okay, so we're in the lobby right now. No, I, you know, I want to see. You know what I want to see? I want to see the... Where do you keep all the trucks? All the trucks. Oh, yeah. That's we'll that's the yeah. Floor. Oh, okay. Where all the fun stuff is. Yeah, we don't want we don't want meeting rooms. <laughs> I mean that's true. Okay, Understandable. The super exciting part right off the bat. Okay. Okay, so does the public come in here ever? Yeah, they'll come into the front foyer part. So that part's it's not open, it's locked, but there's a phone in there where they can call in if they need help with anything. Fire permits we issue out of here as well. But for the most part, the building um, is regularly closed off to the public. Now we do do. All sorts of tours and fire prevention education things in the hall so cool. you know anyone can stop by or give us a call and we'll uh, show you around I have, wait 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 i got a question for him okay, i have seen some birthday parties here before is that like a special thing yeah so we do as part of a fundraiser every year we donate a birthday party where people can bid on the birthday party uh, they'll come here, we provide the cake and some hot dogs, give them a tour of the fire hall, they can hang out for a little while here and just, uh, you know, get some out of That's their awesome. parents' house. I didn't know that. How do you know that? I, I think it's through Rotary, the Rotary Online That's Auction. That's a really yeah. fun yeah. idea. Yeah, so it's really cool. I've seen pictures from people before. It looks really cool. Yeah, come on out to the opera house. Where all the big this toys This is where are. the exciting stuff Man, they have a boat. Dude. Wow. So how many trucks you got? Uh, in here, there's one missing right now. So the on-duty crew's out uh, doing something. So there's one missing. So right now there is one. six trucks, and then there's another one on the other side. Oh, just, we can't uh, see the pickup truck on the other side there. So yeah. nice, yep. nice. Do we get to sit in a fire truck? We can. Uh, you're welcome to sit in anyone you want, or all of them, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about this fire truck because it looks like vintage? <laughs> yep, that one's uh, the oldest one in the fleet, so that's Pumper 2. Uh, it's a 1985. It, it is still in active use. You know, it basically has limited use. It's kind of more designed at this point for wildland type fires to kind of get off the beaten path a little bit, just because it's a little smaller than the, the newer trucks you can see around here. The newer trucks have uh, grown in size quite drastically so oh, yeah. um for now that one kind of fills that need for let's, us let, let's let megan describe it come on in detail <laughs> oh no um okay so it's like very square but i guess they're all kind of square and like the windshield it just looks vintage like the the headlights look vintage has a lot of chrome on it why are you laughing? This is accurate. The, they all have a lot of chrome on them. I know. Like they all I'm have looking, lights on the front. Well, but I'm looking at that one compared to the other ones, and like these things could like very much apply. But it's also a beautiful light yellow color, like a buttercream, compared to the one beside it, which is more neon. And then the other ones are red. Fair. I'll give you that. Okay. Well, can we go take a peek inside? Sure. Steering was massive. Yeah. They even got look at the look at that. That's the AC. Do you pull that thing out? No. Oh, I'm gonna break it. I'm not gonna. I'm well, not gonna. Yeah. It. Okay. I won't touch it. So we got to go into the fire hall bay where we learned about all the different fire trucks that the fire department has, and we might have even got to sit in one. We did. That's the light. So this truck would have been of the vintage where firefighters actually rode on the tailboard or the back end of the truck. Oh, really? 
So you would stand on the back of the truck, there's handles back there, and the older trucks had a button on the back that was a buzzer. So if they were, you know, slipping or they needed something, um, they could press the buzzer button, which would ring through to the cab where the driver would know to slow stop down. or slow down or just <laughs> check on the people on the back. Cause they, you know, they, like you can see, this is only a single cab truck. So you only fit two or three people in it. Yeah. So everyone else would be on the tailboard, you know, riding along. But when's the last time this thing went out? Uh, last week, actually, I know it went out to a, a wild or a bushfire to check it on. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm impressed at whoever would want to drive this. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty ancient. So I gotta ask the question, the million dollar question. Do you guys still have a fire pole? We do not. We do There's not no have, fire there pole? There is no fire pole. It's uh, funny, uh, you know, less and less stations are being built with fire poles nowadays. Uh, it, it has come down to really a safety thing. Uh, to be honest, it, it, you'll have to go on Google, look at fire department slides. They're putting slides in fire. Oh, really? Where oh, you come God. down and, and uh, take a slide instead of a pole, and there's less injuries and less uh, health or health and safety issues. To, that that yeah. actually makes sense. <laughs> so when they built this fire hall, then they purposely did not put in a pole. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so where? So are there sleeping quarters here somewhere? Yep, yeah. So kind of close to where we came in there. Um, we can go back and take a look in there. But yeah, there's. Uh, we do have three different rooms for sleeping quarters in this station. Is there someone on, like in the building at all times? There is, yeah. So we have one crew, uh, two or three members that are on duty 24 hours a day. Cool. All year round. Cool. Wow. What's this big white thing behind Josh? This is a rain capture system. So the big pipes that you see going up the walls and across the ceiling uh, is all drains onto the roof or drains from the roof to capture the rain and the snow melt and it dumps it into this big capture system. And then we have the pump and stuff behind Josh there that we can turn on and use to wash the trucks or fill the trucks with water or oh, that's whatever cool. we might use. So it's just kind of a, a green oh, initiative that yeah. was installed when the hall was built. That's very cool. Yeah. Do you have the Jaws of Life? We do, yeah. Oh, let's go see the Jaws of Life. There's a, what's, is this like a practice thing? You smash the door. Like a kick it? No, no, you have to use a tool, but we can do it if we well, okay, I'm doing it. I don't know what this entails. I'm standing back here, but I will describe it in detail. So there's basically a freestanding metal door that I guess is a practice tool. And Kent is now placing some kind of wooden blocks in to shut it. Kent is now moving this truck so that Josh can try this. This is incredible, by the way. Like, I cannot wait to see this. Yeah, watch, I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm gonna be too weak. <laughs> so now Kent is going to give Josh some sort of axe tool, and he has some kind of a pry bar. I'm gonna try to break this. Yeah, so this was actually really cool. So as we're doing our tour, we got to see a bunch of different things and a bunch of the different training stuff that they have. But they had this steel door sitting there, and I was like, what is this? Oh, it's a new training tool that they had. And, and basically what they do is it simulates trying to break down a door with a certain type of crowbar that they have, an axe. So they stuck this wood block in there, and 
you, you I put a lot of force into that thing, or at least I <laughs> thought a lot of force. And uh, it's uh, it it took quite a bit of quite a bit of effort to get it open, but it was so cool. You did a very good job. So why don't we share that part? Well, we could, yeah. Yay! You did it! Good job. So you would throw this into like, wouldn't you just mash the door? Like if this was a wood door. Yeah, wood door you can break fairly well, I guess, easily. I guess so, yeah, yeah. But the higher security you get, yeah, the harder it is to get open. So this one prop does about eight different evolutions. So yeah, we just got it last spring. So it's fairly new to us. And then we've been spending a lot of time playing with it. So you could put multiple in there. Yeah, you could put three different blocks of wood in, so make it more challenging. There's springs on the hinge side of the door that we can tighten or loosen to make it yeah. harder to push the, the hinges back. So, And then you did an outward swinging door, and we can change sides, and now the door that would swing in. So there's a totally different technique to the inward swinging door. So, Cool. Well, I, I oh, there you something go. To... You did. You did a very good job. How often do you guys do training? Uh, once a week. Once a week? Yeah, yeah. Our paid uh, per call part-time members, they train every Tuesday night uh, for two hours. So that's a wide range of topics from forcible entry like you just did to, you know, pumping water from the trucks to running hose lines to auto extrication to you name it. There's a wide variety of things that we have to train on every year. So, so what you're trying to tell me is a firefighter just doesn't go out and point a hose at something and put it on. No, I'm just kidding. No. You guys know a lot of stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects to the job, so it keeps them busy uh, training. And we have lots of new actual training regulations coming down from the province right now. So, that, so uh, how does that fit with emergency preparedness? Like when we talk about emergency preparedness, what does that mean for the city? Emergency preparedness kind of shifts gears a little bit. The fire department's always involved with it. Um, but when we start talking about emergency preparedness, we're dealing with more of those larger scale type emergencies when we're dealing with flooding like we experienced this year, yeah. forest fires like we experienced last year, or uh, COVID has, has been a big role of our emergency management team here in the city, which expands beyond the fire department. So that expands into all divisions of our of our city, you know, including you know recreation yeah. where we're using the, the arena as an evacuation center from, you know, operations when we're having them fix roads from flooded out things or um, you know you name it it, it kind of takes the whole city to deal with the emergency management part of things for sure so are there things like individuals should be doing in terms of emergency preparedness like do you have any tips yeah absolutely i i think you know there's some really important things like keeping a 72-hour kit in your house so packing up you know, the essentials that you need to survive for 72 hours on your own if you had to. Like if, you know, worst case scenario, the hydro's out, um, it's a big snowstorm or ice storm, you can't travel away from your house, you're kind of stuck in your house for the next 72 hours. Uh, how are you going to survive? Do you have enough water? Do you have food that you can eat that you can't necessarily cook? Uh, do you have the medications you need? Do you have a way of communicating with, like, family or friends outside your house to at least let them know you're okay or if you do need you know emergency help that you can get that um, if you have pets can you feed your pets for the next 72 hours do they have their medications things like that so um, or if you have to travel do you have cash in case all the doubt machines are down or things mm -hmm. like that so it's all those little things of just being prepared you know that 72 hour kit 
um, having a plan of where you're going to go. This year we experienced it here. If, uh, you know, evacuation happens, that could be from a forest fire, a flood, anything else. Where are you going, right? Um, for the city, we were able to set up the arena as an option. Um, obviously not ideal for most people. So where can you go? Do you have family or friends on the other side of the city that you can go to? Maybe not in the emergency area, or do you have to travel to another town, like a yeah, neighboring sure. municipality to, to find shelter there? For so. sure. Hmm. Do you have a 72 hour kit, Josh? <laughs> no. No, I don't but, either. But I'm gonna have one now. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that people should be considering like as we transition into a different time of year that you can think of that might be helpful for people to know? Yeah, if we look at it from the fire side, we're getting into heating season. So we start thinking about our furnaces, our boilers, our water heaters, things that keep our house warm. Are they maintained properly? Because when they're not maintained, um, there could be fire safety issues, there could be carbon monoxide issues. Uh, same with our chimneys, if you burn wood or, or pellets, anything like that, getting the chimneys maintained ahead of uh, the burning season so that everything's safe that way. Uh, we don't want any chimney fires, which can quickly spread into larger fires. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's that perspective. And then on the emergency management side, we you know, are on the brink of winter weather. So that ice storms or the oh, yeah. snowstorm possibility is going to start coming around sooner than most of us want it to. So. Shift from fires and flood to <laughs> snow and ice. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you more you summer. Gotta, you gotta love Northwestern Ontario. <laughs> it happens so quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to find the jaws of life somewhere in this hall. That's our last yeah. mission? Well, that was what you mentioned. You okay, wanted to see it. them. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's walk over to the rescue truck and uh, check it out. And so, you know, we saw the actual fire trucks and then Kent was telling us about another vehicle they have in their fleet, which is the rescue truck. Right? Yeah. And this is where, where we talked about the jaws of life and we were, well, at least I was really interested in the jaws of life. And so sure enough, uh, we got to see it and we got to see two different types of them. There was one that's uh, attached to the truck and it's done through an air hose or done through a hydraulic hose, but they also had a portable one. So I was lucky enough. To Megan's dismay, and she looked a little scared. To be honest it with you, it was. I was scared. And so I got to use this, the new jaws of life or the mobile jaws of life, and I was able to cut through a water bottle. And let me tell you, it cut with ease. <laughs> it was really something to see, and you know, we can share that part of the tour now too. Yeah. So we do have a couple sets. Is this that one? the official term for jaws of life? Uh, for this manufacturer, it actually is. So there's different manufacturers. Uh, the, the one we use is actually the, the original one that coined the Jaws of Life. So uh, yeah, this actually is. Oh, cool. But uh, So this is our older set. This is our hydraulic set. So it's tied to these hydraulic lines, which means you can only go as far as what this is going to allow you to. Gotcha. Um, so any car accident, auto extrication type calls, where there's uh, you know people still trapped in their vehicle, um, and we have to get them out. So we have to you know some of the tools. This one is a, a spreader. Um, then we have cutters, and we have rams in a different compartment. So, so like you could actually like cut a vehicle if you needed to get people out. Yep. So it's either you know spreading metal apart, spreading you know parts of the car away from the the person, or it's cutting pieces of the car right off. You can remove the roof. You can remove the doors. You can you know, cut through anything that's in the way uh, oh, just wow. to get them out. So they're pretty powerful. But yeah, these ones have their limitations because they are basically tethered to the truck. So 
you know, you have to park within a reasonable space to be able to work around there. Um, I'll show you the other set we have that are are also hydraulic, but they're battery operated. So it's all contained in one unit. Oh, yeah. They're completely portable. Oh. We can take them wherever we need to go. So that's kind of the newer, the newer tools have mostly shifted to the, the battery operated type tools. So yeah, you're not just going to call, like fire calls. You're going to like vehicle, like motor accidents and other things too. Yep, we do all sorts of different types of rescues, water rescue. Motor vehicle rescues, we do medical calls with uh, the ambulance service sometimes when they are, you know, need our help or they're short, short on ambulances if there's a lot of emergencies going on at once. We do those types of calls as well. So, yeah, a wide range of things that we, we uh, run into. Okay, we're going to see the other ones, Joe. There's like roller blinds on the side of this truck with all these compartments. Look at there's oh there they are. Oh. Is that What's, a cutter? Oh, that's the cutter. You just toggle that back and forth. <laughs> this is why I work a desk job. Okay, this, thing, this thing's how heavy. How heavy is this that? This thing's heavy. So these are just big shears. Might splash a bit. <laughs> Josh just seared a water bottle with the jaws of life. So after we were done the tour of the actual bay where they keep all the trucks and all the tools and all the uniforms and etc., we actually got to tour the rest of the fire hall where they've actually got some bunks. Like they have people living. Yeah, living and I don't think I realized that. Did you know that? I knew that they had some some areas for people to gather when they're not and a fire things like that but i didn't know that they could actually sleep there like they actually have people living there like live in volunteer yeah, firefighters. yeah yeah same idea so we have the, another kitchen the kitchen we talked about earlier yeah so we got to take the rest of the tour and we walked through the entire building it was really cool and and one of the key messages that i think chief redmond was was kind of getting across is they've had a few phone calls recently that are more of an emergency in nature and they were calling directly to the fire department and i think we'll 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 listen to that piece about the importance of using 911 and, and hmm. the reason for 911. So let's let's cut to that. Something that's you know happening sometimes more and more. It seems like we're because we have our people here 24 hours a day, and and, and people recognize that and they'll they'll call here. Um, in most cases, we'd recommend you just calling 911 directly. You know, if if it's a concern that we can help you with, like a burn permit issue or something like that, by all means, give our station a call. But if it's something related to an emergency, um, we had someone call on a fire last week that they had a fire in their living room and then they called the station instead of calling 911. So, oh you know, it just kind of slows down the process a little bit as, as much as it sounds like it didn't, it, it shouldn't by calling us directly. Um, it just makes more sense for it to go through our 911 dispatchers. Uh, they can record everything, log everything, and then there's a whole process to it and they get us, you know, dispatched pretty quick. So it's. Yeah. It's 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 more, it's better for everyone if you just call nine one one directly instead of calling the fire station. Okay. Cool. That seems pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Josh. Is there anything else you want to do while you're here? No, I just want to thank Kent for uh, taking the time to sit with us and talk about everything fire. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's my pleasure. It's nice to have you guys here. 
thank you again to Chief Radman for hosting us at the fire hall and talking to us about these important topics. And then also spending some time with Josh and teaching him a little bit about what it actually takes to be a firefighter. And and I will tell you this, we cut this piece, but he told me I had to hit the gym a few times. I was a little <laughs> slow getting through that uh, through that door. I think you did a really good job. But uh, like we said, we were here to talk about a bunch of different topics. So if you're ever interested in, in providing a topic for us to talk about, please email podcast at Kenora.ca. We're always interested in knowing what the public want to hear, what our listeners want to hear. And and we're, we're always willing to go out and ask the question. Yeah. So thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. And Josh, I can't wait to see where we go next. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs>